Hey everyone, it's Gabby and Danny and Manny and you're listening to Oye, Let's Talk. Hey everyone, we're here to talk about the infamous The Media. I say this with air quotes, you can't see me, but you've all heard the phrase and more specifically about news because news is part of the media, but for some reason, everyone just uses the vague term. So from websites to TV, we're going to give you a lowdown on how it works, why it works the way it does, tips to make sure you're getting the news you need to know about and how to trust the source. And then we're going to wrap it up with some fun hot takes, which I know y'all want to stick around for. And we're credible, I swear. You've heard us in previous episodes say how we're journalists. After all, that's how Oya Let's Talk was born. And we are journalists in different capacities in our professional careers. I, for instance, like to think of myself as a fancy writer because I am both a producer and a web producer. So I write a lot of different ways, see a lot of words, spell check a lot of things. But my favorite part is to make the graphics. I work as an assignment editor at the news desk, and I will explain to you guys what exactly that entails and how I news gather a lot of the information you might see on TV. I'm Danny, and I'm currently a bilingual reporter and I'm that one person who's hot and sweaty running around in the streets trying to, you know, wait for people to get back to me so that I can interview you and get that three second soundbite. One of the first things we want to delve into today is the difference between your local news and your national news. Your local news is the news that you're going to see on your local network um television that you can get off your antenna you don't need to have cable for it basically these local news stations are going to bring you obviously local news stories and any story that's impacting the community you won't see your local news station cover something that's usually outside of their market so that they're not going to cover an event or people that are outside of their area of coverage it's usually going to have a Always going to have a local component if it's a local community leader, activist, or local event, or how a national um, problem or event might be affecting the community locally. At the same time, we have national news, which entails, as um, we'll mention, the big network companies and their news segments some network some cable news have 24-hour news cycles whereas for local channels you'll see a evening news segment that's usually dedicated to national news it's usually 30 minute uh, prime time um, where an anchor will just focus on national headlines so basically local news is if you are in a neighborhood in Miami, you're gonna see news from Miami and people who are in that community. National news is how the White House is impacting you or the major events like storms or whatever that are happening elsewhere. So part of that decision-making of what to cover or not, like what if someone in DC is from Florida and it's great for a tie, that's part of the ed editorial decision-making. And there will be occasionally some stories that do make it to national headlines. So, for instance, there's like a big story that broke in South Florida. You know, an alligator ate a child, for example. Horrible scenario, but you have that story. And so, oh, my God, it becomes this big story. And obviously, the network wants it and other smaller markets want it as well. So it becomes a big national story. Um, as Gabby briefly mentioned, there is a lot of decision making when it comes to editorial. Um, there's a lot of conversations we have um, within the newsroom. There's usually two to three meetings 
on a daily basis on just stories, like who's doing what, how you're dividing up the work, um, you know, from producers to reporters to the camera guys to everyone. Everyone's involved in these meetings and we're constantly in communication. You know, what exactly is the new story, how it's impacting the average citizen, why it matters, not what the company has to say. We get a lot of emails from different, you know, PR groups um, trying to sell you know, basically what they do, right? And, you know, if they ranked number one in some sort of listing and they want that publicity, we obviously are very much aware of these types of scenarios because they happen all too often and we obviously strive away from that. Um, but how, however, if there happens to be a bigger angle to that story and it impacts people on a larger scope, then that's the angle to the story. And all decisions that are made in an editorial meeting are very intentional. At the end of the day, any product that you may see on TV, it was very intentional. There are, there are specific reasons as to why that story was chosen over another story and everything is weighed out. You know, you want to think about how viewers are going to react or do we want to show this graphic video or picture or everything is constantly assessed and the news it changes constantly. That's why... Like as Danny mentioned, we have several meetings throughout the day to break down what we want to cover. So now that you know a little bit about how this all works, let's do some myth busting right now. And I'll go first. First of all, if you watch a newscast, you know the person behind the desk, they're called anchors because they hold the show down. They don't always write what they're reading or they might be reading whatever they're talking about for the very first time, especially in breaking news situations. So if they don't stumble, that's like a point for them. Impressive, right? That's the real talent. But if they're reading hours of news a day, they probably aren't writing all of it. And to be honest, that's why there's a whole group of producers dedicated to specific shows, different half hours or hour long newscasts to put the news that they need that we believe viewers need to know about. Again, even though anchors may not write everything they read, they could be making their own packages or doing their own reports or they typically chime in about what stories should make air or what investigative pieces like what missing nuggets. They're like the copy editors at the end of the day because they've been in this business long enough and have a lot of their reporting chops together that their voice holds weight and plus they're the personality on tv that people love to watch at the end of the day every swoosh breaking news pretty little graphic live banner all of that fun stuff is because a producer wanted it there at the end of the day they map that stuff out way early on so by the time you watch a four o'clock newscast someone probably started it around 8 a.m this is my hot take not every system has spell check you have to be a good speller to be a producer. Why? We're in 2021 and not everything has, everything does not have spell check. I don't know. You got to be <laughs> smart at the end of the day. You but can't here we are. Spell check. You got to reread stuff. And sometimes when you got to do things on the fly to make it into a show, you pray <laughs> and you hope you saw it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I want to bust in this segment is as the last presidential administration popularize the term fake news not that his administration created it but he definitely made it very popular among his supporters and his administration to call out the media as fake news and my qualm with that is that everything that is on tv has to be 
verified. It has to be confirmed. You know, when you see breaking news, I'm sitting at the news desk calling the police agency and who I'm contacting at that police agency is a designated person. The police agency has called a public information officer. Who is the person that speaks to the media? This is the person that you see giving sound on TV or an interview for the for the police agency, representing the police agency. This is the person that's going to gather the details and give you those details. Unless I have information from PIO or from the city or from whoever source I need to confirm information, it's not going to make it on air. Sometimes there's stuff that comes in right before the newscast. And if I'm not able to get information on it, I can't make it to the air. So I want our listeners to be cognizant that everything that they see on air, that they see on TV, is information that's been verified, you know? And I want to clarify on that a little bit. When Maddie says everything on TV has been verified, he's specifically talking about the newscasts and not, you know, the commentators and the the people that are, you know, in stand-up comedy and make these jokes and maybe grab a fact here and there and then they make their own opinion about it. He's specifically targeting the newscasts. And another thing I wanted to mention is that sometimes our sources, including police officers, sometimes make mistakes or what they give us as fact ends up turning into this other, you know, fact because the story is still developing and it's in its very early stages. So if for whatever reason, the the anchor or the reporter said something at the very beginning and four days later, it turns into something else, it might not be the reporter's fault. It might just be what was, you know, given to us at the very beginning. So that's why Manny's job is so important because there's one place in a newsroom, someone who's gathering information from all possible sources and making sure that it's correct before he passes it along to reporters, producers, anchors, and everyone else. So don't think that people are just getting an email and running with it. Like there's a little more work that goes into it so much so that it's a whole job. And I will say that because I've had, you know, the pleasure of working in both TV and digital, I I do see some differences and digital tends to be very standard when it comes to reporting. They'll, you know, wait until they need to wait to get that information correct. Whereas sometimes TV likes to run with what they have at the moment just because that newscast Mm -hmm. is going to end and digital has all this leeway to keep adding to the story, if that makes sense. uh, Danny, you should... um make clear what's what what do you we know what digital means but what what does digital mean right um so digital means writing web articles um posting on social media um sending push push notifications to the to your cell phones anything that has to do with print um that can stay there forever and people can screenshot it i mean i guess tv you can also do that but my point being that tv there's like a certain end to it and tv has a harsh deadline whereas anything for a website you just want to get it before competition if Mm -hmm. that if that's what your station cares about um but again all goes back to different styles on a website you may see police said police said according to authorities according to witness reports everything is attribution at the end of the day at the end of the day and that's sourcing who we're getting the information from and sometimes Uh, You know, you have to get creative and there are moments where you don't get information and you just have to report what you're seeing. Hey, we're here at this uh, scene of the crime and there's bullet casings all over the floor and crime scene, 
unit is on scene investigating. You know, you just have to go with what you're seeing. You're not reporting, you know, something false. You're just reporting on what you're seeing. And sometimes that's also the case, depending on Mm -hmm. timing. Totally. And so now some myth busters um, in terms of the reporter lifestyle. So no, we don't, you know, get our makeup done or our hair or we we don't also have a stylist. We do everything ourselves. Um, we don't always have a prompter or scripts are, you know, written by us and they always, always have to get approved. So there's always a second set of eyes on it. It's not a nine to five job. You're done when your story is done. If it's developing, good luck. You might be on it for a couple of days and sleepless nights. Um, you, you don't have a consistent schedule, so there's only so much you can plan ahead in your personal life, unfortunately. Um, and we don't earn shiz for the most part. So we do it because we love it. Um, because at the end of the day, we feel like we're impacting so many different people from all walks of life. So back to that whole fake news phenomena, I definitely feel offended if somebody, you know, says that to me or, if I'm a part of that, you know, circle, that's definitely offensive to me. And on that note, I'm gonna call it out. <laughs> People think news is so glamorous or TV is so glamorous, but that's fake news. There's not a lot of money in it. And that's been the scary part is how do you sell the ads, sell the commercials or put ads on your website? Or as you see with local newspapers, some are struggling to survive. How do you stay alive and still inform people about the news that they should know um, while yeah. paying people for the work that they do? And that goes back into be careful what you see and be careful who you trust. This is a media literacy portion of the episode that I was <laughs> telling y'all about earlier. So media literacy is basically the ability to see different types of media and understand the messages they're trying to send. So knowing when a comedian who may be showing you news clips is making a joke versus watching news clips and when to take it seriously, or when you're reading a comic that's satire versus a comic that's trying to educate. There's a little bit that that's all types of media and news falls into that in a way. And I want to point out that in networks that have 24-hour cycles, some for some portions, they are reporting news and laying out the facts. But most of the show is them having guests, and most of the time you're just hearing commentary, you're hearing opinions. And I think it's very important when you are watching those type of shows that you can discern between, hey, these are the facts of the events, and, oh, this is um, person A's opinion on this this is person's b opinion on it and it's your job as person c to take those people's opinions and the facts and create your own opinions yeah and those opinions will definitely be one-sided it'll be very obvious and at the same time if you see a tv personality you know i I don't want to say anchor but like the person that mediates as a host and they're taking a side because they're commentators or what Manny said, stand-up comedians or, or comedians. Um, they're not journalists. You Just because they're talking about news does not make them journalists. At the end of the day, they are in the editorial section and they they do have a right to lean one side or another because at the end of the day, they're there to give their opinions on certain facts. So they'll give certain facts here and there but it'll be kind of taken out of context 
Um, so it, I, I can understand how it could be difficult for someone who isn't in the news business and how to differentiate that. So I don't know, Gabby, do you have some tips and tricks on that? Yeah, so there's commentators, right? Like we see them on CNN or Fox, someone who has had a profession in either politics or maybe owns an oil rig or someone who's like a business expert, etc. Um, but they specifically work for some other company. They're not necessarily a CNN employee or a Fox employee. And they're being brought on a show to ask their opinion. Now, they have expertise, but they may not necessarily be a journalist. And that's who we try to interview at times, people who are experts in the field of the story that we're trying to cover. And in terms of commentators, when we say that's editorial or opinion, that's not news. You're not there to get facts, but perspective. And mm -hmm. it could be a different perspective from yours or one that you align with and that's just up to you to determine if whether or not it's factual or making you understand a situation better um i can't think of an example off the top of my head but i can so rachel maddow for example my mom always says oh my god she's a fantastic journalist and while she may be great at what she does you know in her professional field I she's not a journalist maybe she studied journalism and maybe she used to be a reporter however once you cross that line and you do take a side and you begin to comment on anything you know whether it's republican or um or or democratic and you can talk about it interchangeably but once you take a certain side you can never go back and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand so she is not a journalist she's not a reporter she's not an anchor she is a host of her own editorial show and i want our listeners to understand that that difference you know in that editorial show to what you may see on your local newscast because i know when when anytime there's a story to be told we're always we're always sure that everything is balanced and that both sides of the story are told especially when it comes to politics if there was recently there was a uh supreme court decision on something and we asked um, both of our local elected leaders on both sides of the aisles, what their commentary was. And at the end of the day, they may decide not to respond or not, but you as a journalist at your job and reaching out to them and even reporting, Hey, we reached out to so-and-so's office. They didn't want to give us a comment. And that's also fair. But at the, but at the end of the day, you're trying to make that piece as balanced as possible. And not be biased, as Danny said, because you at the end of the day, you want to be that journalist and not that commentator. So I want to talk about that for a second. Understanding bias. So we all hear there's two sides to every story. There's also the truth. There's also how people may feel about one side versus another and where their thoughts align. So two sides to every story doesn't necessarily mean a balanced story. Because at the end of the day, you only have so much time to tell a story on TV. As we mentioned earlier, deadlines. They're monsters, I can tell you. But for instance, the sky is blue. If 50 people say the sky is blue, but only 20 say it's green, and you have one soundbite of someone saying that it's green and another soundbite of someone saying it's blue, if you put the two soundbites together, it sounds like the opinion's 50-50, but the reality is the sky is blue, people. We all see it. <laughs> But you told both sides to the story. You brought balance by letting each person speak their piece. But you're really silencing the 49 other people that also believe the sky is blue 
versus the 19 other people that think it's green. So that's something to consider. If you don't, if you see multiple sound bites or you hear a reporter add more context, it may not be that they're leaning one way or another. It just could be to help balance the story. They're trying to tell both sides, but add more perspective to it. A great example is that there's a few news outlet outlets that are reporting on climate change, which for whatever reason is a very controversial topic. The two sides to climate change is it exists or it doesn't. Some news outlets are saying we're not going to recognize the other side because science shows it. Here's a quote by a director from the mass, from MIT. Basically, they're studying climate change and it's their science center. His name is Boyce Renzenberger. He says balanced coverage of science does not mean giving equal weight to both sides of an argument. It means apportioning weight according to the balance of evidence. And that's kind of what news does too, making sure that the facts align and that you're giving balanced stories, telling all sides as much as possible, but making sure you're speaking the view of the community or the issue to what's correct and what aligns with the facts presented. And that's so true. I think that was so eloquently put together. I think that at the end of the day, as journalists, we don't want to give we want to give a voice to the voiceless, but we also don't want to give a microphone to people that are just spewing, quote unquote, random stuff, right? Like it needs to be fact checked, like who are the expertise on the subject? Um, and I think that's where there's a lot of criticism for whatever reason, especially during election season or when there's a controversial topic. Unpopular opinion here. I do think that there isn't always two sides to a story. I think it depends. Is it a controversial topic or are we talking about, you know, beautiful elephants running in the wild? Where is the other side? I'm just telling you and showing you that there are elephants running in the wild. It definitely, I think, depends on the story itself. And I think you, I think we may all agree on this. We see as journalists that being an obstacle in covering these very polarized and partisan politics that we've seen over the last two decades. Like how do we, how do we approach this? A, make it balanced, but at the same time, not give a microphone to the bad ideas like racism or, you know, white supremacy or even, you know, we, we had an episode on this podcast um, where we discussed topics of um, women's rights and we made an editorial position to go with it because we thought it would be more of a learning moment, even though we didn't want to give a microphone to those people. And it's also putting disclaimers, even when you don't believe it may need one, it's just keeping in mind other people. So for instance, if you got a disclaimer about a video, but they felt or the news organization felt that it was worth seeing, like the George Floyd video that went viral. A lot of people saw it unblurred before it got national attention. And now some don't show the video, or if they show it, some of it is blurred or it stopped at a certain point. Now there's a disclaimer with a lot of the video that you're seeing aired, and those decisions change over time. It's not censorship per se, but it's deciding what's the news value after you already know what you're going to see. Going back to the disclaimer point, we have, we've had a few during our podcast and like the episode Manny mentioned, because we never, we never clarified anything within our conversation that we felt to be safe. Let's clarify stuff from the beginning, just in case anyone could be hurt or triggered by a topic. And that goes with news. 
covering Pulse, it's a huge story in my market. And we never show video from the Pulse nightclub shooting where 49 people's, their lives were taken, not lost. And that's the hard part, right? Is making sure that we're still, it's still important to tell this story, but how we tell it. And there's people still struggling. They lost loved ones or they were, they're a survivor. Is it worth hurting them just to tell another story to bring up pain again? And I hope everyone understands that these disclaimers, although you may see them for one or two seconds, they are at least a five minute conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, we really, really try to be very mindful for the most part, because at the end of the day, like Gabby said, these are real human beings whose lives are being affected and it could very well be the worst day in someone's life and we're there covering it. So we really try to be very sensitive with it when approaching people, families, um, when showing bodies, if we show bodies. And we'll get a lot of criticism too, you know, well, why did, you know, CNN show it and then Fox didn't? Well, there were they it was their decision to put it out there and if you feel comfortable sharing that video go ahead i'm sure you will find it on twitter on facebook and even though it is out there and and that's um that's a good point that it's going to be out there anyway when it comes to tv um and you know there's kids involved where you know if you're at you know in during lunch or in dinner and your kids are walking by you know, I, I don't want my five-year-old to see a shooting and have nightmares for the rest of his life. So that's stuff that we very much keep in mind as well. So now that you kind of know, <laughs> we've busted some myths. We taught you how to be more media literate and to understand the messages that you're receiving and from what outlets. We're here to help you to gain more understanding with tips and tricks. First thing you do, if you're scrolling on the Twitter, the Facebook, or on a local news website, which I highly encourage you to do, Check the date of the story, understand when it was published, understand the context within the time. If you're reading a tweet that may have been a screenshot of a tweet and that tweet was from 2016, it probably isn't too relevant nowadays. But if you're reading an article that was posted five hours ago, but it's talking about a bill that was passed two months ago, probably was a small update. You really need to add some context to what what that update was or why that's relevant now. You guys should be really careful when it comes to just reading headlines. And I will, I'm guilty of doing this myself where I'll read a headline and then I'll go along with that story. And like, I'll try to tell someone about it. And I'm like, I really can't tell you much because I just read the headline. So don't do that <laughs> and actually read the story. Be careful with clickbait. You're always going to have clickbait anywhere you see. So be careful on what you know, the headlines telling and what the story is actually about. If you see that discrepancy between the clickbait and the actual story, there's a good chance it's probably not a credible um, source because usually the news will give it to you straight. Caveat, we do try to have the most attention-grabbing headlines because we want you to click. And also when we tweet the link, that's what it'll have. So it's the eyeballs that we do care about. But... We do hope that you read the story and remember that journalists typically are trained and we use this style called the inverted pyramid, which is most important details first, least important at the bottom. So if you read the first few sentences, if it's a 3000 word article, probably worth the read because someone worked really hard on it and it'll take you on a journey. But if you catch the first paragraph or so, or the first few sentences, you'll have all the details usually 
about what you need to know and if it actually lines up with the headline. And again, if it's a new story, you'll know because it'll have both sides in it. It should definitely have two or three different voices in there. Um, if it's editorial, it will clearly be stated at the top with probably a photo of the the person who wrote it and it is definitely opinion based. So be on the lookout for that. Also, check the the URL, you know, it does the is the ending.gov.edu.com or is it a website like the onion where it's satirical writing, you know, it's it's hard to differentiate at first, but once you're constantly on the lookout for it, it'll be very easy to 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 spot. And if it's flooded with ads and stuff like Loki, like questioning, mm -hmm. I would recommend subscribing to your local newspaper or national newspaper. True. I'm a proud subscriber of the New York Times, and I get most of the news there. Um, they most most for the most part they are non they're not biased. Um, no, they do tend to lean. They have, they have, they do have left leaning tendencies, mm -hmm. um, but it's still a good but it source is one of, of the most credible ones. Yes. Yeah. If you feel like it's biased, the one thing I can say about the New York Times is that they do their research and they produce some of those bombshell reports that everybody talks about mm -hmm. the next day. So mm -hmm. it's up to you. So that leads me to our final topic. If you made it with us this far, you're gonna hear us talk about the best parts of our job some may argue um we're talking about heart hot takes that was total sarcasm see media literacy you should have picked up on that um there's this thing <laughs> called the media <laughs> i mentioned it before there's a difference between the media and press right danny jesus christ don't get me started so guys I just, again, I feel like when Manny briefly touched upon it, that, you know, it, it sort of started with the Trump presidency. Um, I think I think media is like a derogatory term now because it wasn't before. Like, I think it was used interchangeably. And somehow in recent years, it's become like this thing, like this negative, like cloud almost. And it... it it saddens me. And so I personally don't like to be associated with being a media. I prefer press because I feel like it's, it sounds like, like more of a noble profession. I don't know if you guys feel the same. I feel like media is kind of like trashy, like, oh, like you're, I don't know, you're part of like the blogger group or you're part of uh, the tabloids, like all of that is also a part of media. So it's like, where do I fit in if I feel like I'm credible and I, I went through all this schooling. I do everything right just because, you know, the, I don't know, man. I can go on yeah, forever. Yeah, like, ju like just because someone else messed up or someone else labeled right. you. Yeah, I, I get or that. Or you don't know, like, you know, editorial from real journalistic standards. It's tough. I, I don't, I'm not upset about being under the umbrella term media. I just hate that people don't know the difference. <laughs> like like when people say oh the media and i'm like oh because you heard the media reported this who right who's the media did you watch it on the news did you see it on twitter mm -hmm. did you go on media? el google 
And because there's also this thing called confirmation bias where you look up what you want to look up. And the first thing that sounds remotely to, you know, your point, you click it and you're like, see, and it's like, no, did you read the other 20 articles that say it's not like that? Clearly, we stuck a core with Danny. I feel I feel I've never been offended by being called a media. I think on the contrary, I'm proud to be part of the media because I play such an important part in the community and in our society. Unfortunately, yes, I agree with Danny that the word has been diluted because, you know, people's perception of what some media has become. Unfortunately, it's kind of like a little bit of bad apples makes everyone look bad, you know, because there are there is media out there and I'm using air quotes on media and you're kind of like, wow, this is degrading journalism because this is not what you should be doing. So, yeah, it kind of sucks when other people are kind of like smearing your profession and what you stand for. But I think it's the good people that are going to try to change it for everybody. If, I, if that sounds corny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love the corniness, though. Yeah, I think it sense. makes a lot of sense. No, absolutely. The more media literate people we have in this world, the easier it's going to be able to decipher. And you know what? I'm just glad to stop hearing fake news. I heard it for so long. And <laughs> I used to be Manny's role, picking up the phone, people yelling at us, calling us fake news all the time. Like, if that's one hot take that I have, it's that journalists already deal with a bunch of bs it is not a comfy profession at all it is very very much uh i would say chismosa profession if you're a chismosa like journalism is for you because you're gonna know everything all the time and hook it up it's definitely tiring sometimes as much as it is rewarding and i i love what i do and i think i will continue doing this for years to come at least that's my position now um, it does get very tiring. It does get very draining. At the end of the day, we are human too. And I think people forget that, that we're not robots. Like we have feelings too. And if there's a mass shooting and, you know, there, you really think about what's happening in the world and we're constantly bombarded with all these negative stories. Yeah, it definitely can get to us and it's okay for us to take, you know, a step back and, and then come back to it. And we don't need the grannies calling in saying that someone looks fat on TV or they didn't like someone's outfit or (laughs) someone's not paying attention to the real story. It's like, fam, come on. Like they have so much, uh, many other things to worry about. And that's what you're doing with your day. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, guys, it really does grind my gears, though. Like the whole media versus press thing, that's not bothering, but. The fake news thing is really bothersome, like because we all know how 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 much work we put into putting credible information to our community and for someone to be like, no, that's fake. It's like, what? I had literally just spent hours. <laughs> and in know, one second, they just discredited all. Your yeah. Work. And that's yeah. that is painful it's like upsetting. that that is very upsetting because it's like no like i put so much work into this yeah there there is definitely fake news out there there's bs mm-hmm. news who's brainwashing people who is very one-sided who is very editorialized and it's always been this way it's just that in recent years for some reason people i don't know if they've noticed it more or they just sort of associated all types of it's news social media, media press man. yeah social media for sure. <laughs> no guys you know i think i'm gonna it's it's been a combination of things and i think Mm -hmm. our previous president was a big factor in that Mm -hmm. because he was someone he was was a person of 
He was a person of power going on television, using his pulpit to say these words, fake news. It wasn't a slow-mo or a homeless Mm -hmm, man mm -hmm. or the police. No, it was the president of the free country saying the words fake news. So it's a person of power, someone in position, literally. And he also censored all the press. Like, it didn't matter if you were conservative or liberal. And that was something that has never happened before. Like, having press conferences and not having the press be a part of it. How does that work? Right, right. So I think, yeah, like it's all this obviously has been a buildup and you can see even a trend with, you know, networks being bought out, you know, by corporations and, you know, these networks all of a sudden like shifting into a profit market. Um, You know, all obviously all these are little variables, but I think the last president was a big factor into the culture that we see now and the media. So we're here to fight that culture. There, A lot has changed in terms of media, whether it's social media, people who like to comment on, air quote, the media, or people who don't understand the media that they're consuming. But that's why this episode exists, because we want to give you some sort of understanding about how news works, how it plays a role in this media term umbrella, and how to spot fake news when you see it. So don't be afraid to be like, oh yeah, let me go Google that and click a few links, not just one or two, to make sure that you're fighting fake news with us. And don't get your news on WhatsApp. (laughs) Excellent disclaimer.